Whiskey Bikini. Whiskey Bikini. Whiskey Bikini. Whiskey Bikini. Welcome to the Whiskey Bikini Suspense Show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Whiskey Bikini Suspense Show. <laughs> um, yeah, if you don't know already, and hopefully if you, you already do, you've listened to some of our other episodes. We're a, a regular uh, horror podcast covering horror films, horror, different horror topics, alcohol, black magic, so on and so forth. Uh, coming at you live from the UK and usually from Hong Kong as well, uh, though for this episode... My usual partner, Cub, who's a you know, Hong Kong filmmaker. We're pretty tied up with some film production work still. So you've just got me today coming at you live from the middle of nowhere in Scotland. So, and I beg your patience and I hope you'll keep listening. But do check out the rest of our episodes, including our radio play, Mojo in the Corridors of Blood. And um, yeah, follow us on the social media, follow the podcast. And, and yeah, hope you, hope you enjoy listening. <laughs> So today it's another uh, found footage chat as, um, yeah, I'm still really deep diving into found footage and, and in particular indie and some of the real, you know, the real low budget uh, or zero budget when I can get it, uh, found footage stuff. And I have to say, I'm really enjoying my journey. I mean, I know the found footage genre is for a lot of people kind of, uh, I'd say much maligned uh, with good reason. There's so much shit uh, out there o- over the years, but I'm really enjoying the journey so far again. Um, it's been a few right stinkers, which I, I don't know, maybe I'll do a, uh, an episode at some point just summarizing some to stay away from. But, uh, but thankfully, there's a lot of great stuff as well. Um, maybe I'm just getting better at figuring out which ones to watch or I, I just lost the stupid masochistic streak I, I maybe had before when I was just watching pretty much anything uh, found footage I could get my hands on. But today, yeah, I'm going to be talking about uh, the Andy Baker tape. And yeah, to be honest, I hadn't actually heard of it before, but uh, I came across it on YouTube and and social media and stuff. And I think it was just after watching uh, Horror in the High Desert um, and I was getting some recommendations to me. But that's a great film as well. Uh, We did an episode on Horror in the High Desert. Uh, It's really good found footage in the the fake documentary mold. so, So check out that episode and the film. But yeah, the Andy, the Andy Baker tape, uh, it seems it's been winning a lot of awards on the festival circuit in 2021 and 2022, which uh, which seems promising. And the trailer was decent, so yeah, I figured I would give it a try. Uh, it's directed by and starring uh, Brett Lada, who's a TV actor, seems, and this was his first time as a director. And it was co-written by Lada and his co-star, uh, Dustin Fontaine. So yeah, pour yourself a drink and let's get to it. What's up, guys? Uh, just want you to know that last week I got the call and I just got optioned by the Food Network. Let's get away from our usual taste and tell format and dive a little deeper into my family history. Why not use Ancestry and me to try to locate any relatives? So I spit in a cup, I sent it in, I waited three weeks, and boom, I'm paired with a common ancestor. This story's crazy. So a lot of plays uh, Jeff Blake, who's a, a vlogger who does food videos. Um, apparently, he's quite popular. And he seems convinced that he's getting his own show on the Food Network. So he's looking to make some, you know, some really top-notch content to to properly land the gig. 
And at the same time, uh, he's also found out by doing, uh, I think, one of these home DNA tests that he's actually got a half-brother who he never knew anything about and who who lives out in the middle of nowhere uh, in the rurals of New Jersey. And this is the, the Andy Baker of the title, uh, played by Dustin Fontaine. Jeff decides it'll be good for his show, so he, he heads out to try and find Andy. I know they're very, they're very different. I mean, Jeff is a sort of slick, very pushy, very very self-obsessed, narcissistic guy. And uh, Andy's a bit socially awkward, doesn't seem to be doing much. He's kind of wearing overalls or dungarees a lot of the time. Um, yeah, Jeff decides to take him along on his food road trip. Uh, needless to say, it doesn't go well. Uh, Andy starts acting pretty weird, and he's not exactly giving Jeff what he wants in front of the camera. And so Jeff ditches him after what I'll, I'll just refer to here as an incident, because I'm not going to give too many spoilers. And that might have been that, but then uh, the Food Network gets in touch and they tell Jeff that, yeah, he can have his show, but he can only have it if he gets Andy back in it with him. Uh, they seem to like their kind of off-the-wall brother dynamic and the weirdness between them. Uh, problem, of course, then is that uh, Andy's now ignoring Jeff and he's not replying to him, which starts to really piss off Jeff. And, yeah, it becomes clear that something sinister is going on. Dashboard cam check. Nice, Andy, how do I look? Like a star. Oh, that's the answer I'm looking for. No, Can I just reset oh! What are you doing? Okay, so this is, um, it's fair to say that this is the kind of uh, found footage film where you know right from the start that it's, uh, <laughs> it's not going to go well. And it's not like full Blair Witch, um, you know, start basically telling you the end. But we do have a caption at the start, uh, which does kind of suggest where it's going. We also know from the start that it's essentially a two-man show. It's a Jeff and Andy, and I don't. There's a couple of other very brief appearances, but not much. And so the film, you know, it's clearly just going to be about the the dynamic between these two guys. And you know, let's be honest, it's probably going to be about which one of them is a uh, which one's crazy, or which one's going to kill the other one, or you know, which one of them is going to do something nasty. It's not a spoiler to say that there's nothing uh, supernatural here. There's no, it's not like an FX film. There's no gore. And it's kind of very much grounded in like vlogging reality. And so I'm just going to get this out of the way now and say we're basically in creep territory. And if you don't know it, creep is the, um, it's a 2014 found footage classic by uh, Patrick Bryce where He's like a, a cameraman who's hired to follow around Mark Duplass for a weekend who, who turns out to be um, not quite right. Um, it's not the 2004 Creep, which is a Brit horror by Christopher Smith um, about a woman who gets trapped on the London Underground at night. And she encounters a much more ghoulish kind of creep. Um, and that that's actually a really good film too, which uh, I haven't seen for ages. Uh, I'll see if I can find my old <laughs> DVD. Anyway, I will try not to reference Creep too much during this chat, but probably I will. So sorry for that. But I mean, to be fair, like it's not a bad thing to compare um, Andy Baker tape to Creep as it's creeps really is one of my it's one of my favorite found footage films and actually maybe one of my favorite films in general um love the sequel as well creep 2 um i think it's just one of the ultimate kind of like zero budget proper indie naturalistics disturbing and unsettling but very funny films uh, very very believable uh it wholly revolves around uh, this relationship between two men and the power dynamic in that in there as well and um, and also like Creep, uh, the Andy Baker tape isn't massively a horror film, uh, to be fair. Uh, 
Not that, you know, I mean, just is what it is. This is what it, this is what it does. It's not massively frightening. It's not set out to, to terrify you. There's no scare set pieces. Uh, and I think it's, it's good to know as little as possible about the film going in. And what I've said so far is, you know, it's basically the setup. Um, and you'll, you'll probably figure out where it's going. But I think it's hell, It's good if you know to go in not expecting like a, a paranormal activity or a, or a Blair Witch kind of found footage because, you, you know, you're probably going to be a bit disappointed if you're expecting that kind of like a spooky action. I mean, it's pretty much mostly dialogue, uh, which is gradually uncovering the truth about um, Jeff and in particular about Andy. We kind of witness as they, they get to know each other and of course how things degenerate with increasing and greatly increasing awkwardness. Uh, and then things get more and more tense and they get more and more weird as we do kind of get to answering that question uh, as to which one of them is going to, you know, which one of them is, is a proper wrong one. I think it works well in terms of the relationship between uh, the two guys. Uh, I mean, initially when I, when I was watching, like the whole brothers concept feels a bit random and far-fetched, but the film does get into that. And Jeff being the way he is, I suppose it's kind of believable that he might decide to, to, to try and search out this purely as a kind of hook for his show. But in either case, whether it doesn't impact what is the core of the film, which is still just these two different guys, whether they were brothers, strangers, best friend, whatever, like two very different guys, each with very different motivations, personalities. Um, and they're pushed into this pressured situation together, suddenly spending all the time together in this car and motel room and, you know, trying to get on for different reasons. Uh, and then seeing what happens to them both when things start to fall apart and when the uh, the pressure starts to get piled on. Co-writing the script, um, you know, Brett Lauda and Dustin Fontaine probably really helped in this respect. And the interactions between um, the, the two in the film were actually very believable, which is a really, really important thing for this kind of film. And there's some fun moments, uh, some bits which are surprisingly kind of touching. And the script in general does a very good job of notching things up and um, it did keep me interested throughout, to be fair. Like, the film, it, I'd say it succeeds in generating that kind of um, foreshadowing of violence uh, and ominous sense of doom. Like, As I said, we know something is going to go wrong uh, and it's more about the journey as to how and why. Um, and I guess the tension from, from the when, like not knowing exactly when something is going to happen and if it's going to be like a sudden burst of violence or it's going to be a more this kind of um, gradual build up to an explosion of something. The acting is also solved, but another really key thing for uh, I thought both um, Lada and Fontaine were very, very good in the film. Very, very, very believable, actually. Um, again, maybe having written the, the, the script together and possibly around their characters is great. You get a bit of an air of improv in there, which I always like and found fitted, but very convincing. You know, there's not really the, the kind of character depth or psychology to call it the, um, <laughs> a character study, uh, as, as a lot of people, you know, like to throw around that term. But, you know, the two are mostly there to kind of play off each other and to build this tension. You know, it's, I guess, I guess they're that kind of like pawns on a chessboard type thing against each other to see what's going to happen, where they're going to go. And it's, they kind of serve the story rather than the story serving them. But that's, you know, that, that's no, no bad thing at all. Um, and it works well in kind of a stab at Hitchcock's sort of character reversals. Um, it does enough to kind of build enough tension and to work in a few twists and revelations to the film. I'd say it wins points for not going too overboard. 
Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call either of the characters exactly likable. Uh, they're kind of sympathetic, which is probably enough. But he never gets into that very simple good guy, bad guy thing um, until later on when the cards are on the table. And I also I also did really like the fact that it's not too heavy um, on the cringe factor, uh, which is something it really could have played up, especially as we as we get to see more of Andy. You know, you get the kind of introduction to him. And initially, you know, we're kind of getting Jeff making fun of him for being a bit backwards or Jeff muttering stuff, you know, about him on the camera. And... The film never really invites the audience to laugh with him or, you know, to treat Andy as some kind of figure of ridicule. Uh, and I think this is great because it says more about Jeff than anything else. And it also helps the film f from getting too much into that kind of like cringe comedy or or that kind of meanness. I mean, there is a meanness to the film, a very effective kind of meanness, but it's not that kind of a ha 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 where, you know, let, let's laugh at this guy kind of thing. Given all this, uh, it does require a bit of patience, to be fair. And it is, it is probably more slow burn than creep. And, you know, there are some good dramatic unsettling scenes in there. Um, it does have a lot of stretches where not really much happens. It's not really a film either, which is, you know, it's not like a horror ghost film. where We're just trying to build up an atmosphere. I mean, the unsettlingness is kind of more... Um, I mean, I hate words like this, but, you know, microaggressions. <laughs> I guess you'd, you you would say, like, between the two of them, whether it's passive-aggressive or aggressive-aggressive. But it's a very interesting back and forth uh, between the two of them. And to be honest, I, I, I don't even really like saying that kind of thing, like, there's stretches where not really much happens. Because if it's done right, uh, as I think it is here, like, it, it's not a bad thing. Uh, I think here, Lada is just letting letting the characters breathe and kind of adding in background details, background color to them. And, you know, it's not subtle, to be fair, but it works for me. Um, and I think it does a good job of adding in this kind of, uh, if not depth, then at least fleshing these guys out. So it has that kind of found footage you feel of hanging around with the characters for, uh, <laughs> for better or worse. We're kind of trapped in the car with them in the motel rooms with them and stuff. So I, I think for me that works really well. And it's just, I guess, that maybe... People are expecting a quick fear fix. Um, you, you know, might not enjoy that quite so much. As I've said, uh, the ending is fairly fairly predictable, especially given the way the film starts. Though, I think it still works well, uh, partly due to this investment in the characters, and it does come it does come with an impact ending. It's still a nicely nicely judged uh, nicely judged ending, and although you'll see it coming, another thing I really like about it is just the fact the film gets there really quickly. And, you know, pretty efficiently as well. And it's a massive plus, to be fair. It's only like 70 minutes or so. So it moves along a decent clip. And although I've said there are these stretches where there isn't um, action in a traditional sense, uh, it, it's not really a film you're actually going to have to wait long for it to actually get anywhere, put it that way. So full marks for, you know, a much more efficient approach to the film than some other found footagers I've seen recently have. Hey! Oh! Hey Jeff, it's Andy. You know, actually, none of the guys on my channel know who you are yet. It's with absolute pleasure that I get to introduce you to my new... half-brother. Home sweet home. Anything I can do to help? Yeah. Just keep filming my good side. Yeah! <laughs> nice! <laughs> No, I didn't think you were actually going to come. I'm just glad you decided not to cut me out of your life. 
This is an amazing story. I figured I could use some of this footage. As with any found footage film uh, chat, I'm just going to say a little bit about the technical side and the found footage believability. You know, I'm sure like um, for any of you out there who still are watching found footage films, uh, you must be pretty tired of films still justifying why, why their characters are fucking, you know, still shooting, why they have a camera in the first place, why they're not dropping it and running, etc., etc. which, you know, it's, it's all, all fair criticisms of the genre. But I, I think this setup, which we have in the Andy Baker tape, works well for found footage. It's nicely tailored um, to the, you could call the limitations of the form, but you, you could also say to, uh, in the way the form can actually work very well. I mean, we have two guys in a car, so naturally it's dialogue based. Um, it's gradually building this unease and unsettlingness. So we don't have that kind of sudden mad danger in the film, which would make them, you know, have a need to actually stop filming. So... That adds to the believability um, of the film and this kind of like vlog thing in that respect. It's not a film where you're going to be thinking, um, you know, put a camera down, run away, you're in danger to, you know, to either of them. And yeah, just in terms of Jeff's character, I mean, I think I mentioned he's a complete narcissist. So he is always filming. He always trying to use the camera to show off. Uh, and so the fact that he is filming lots of stuff, it does make sense within the, the context of the the setup and the food channel angle works pretty well i think um again it's this kind of found footage reason for always filming because he's you know he's trying to get as much content as he can to try and edit something in it to, to big himself up so that worked quite well i i must admit i don't watch the food channel uh, i assume it's a real thing or the food network um don't watch any food programs myself though his videos seem pretty convincing and some of the food scenes do look pretty enticing so I, I don't know if it's believable that a major network would be interested in this guy, but then maybe there are food, food shows following guys like Jeff around. I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not not massively going to bother to check it out, but it's a nice angle, though. It gives a bit of difference to food food network and stuff. And I don't know, maybe one day we'll get one where it's uh, you know following around the, the booze network, if there's a booze network or you know some guy who's... He's going around trying at different different bars instead of different food, but you know that that's maybe maybe something I'll look into myself. I'd also say that uh, this approach to it means that there's not too much fake padding material, since Jeff, he's really only planning, he's only filming stuff that he plans to use, or at least you know within the context of the film, that's all we're shown. Um, and even the longer dialogue stretches do make sense, as he's. He's filming them when he's hoping something's going to happen and he's he's kind of hoping Andy's going to do something or he's hoping for some kind of like family history revelation. Um, and as I say, you know, some people might not like this kind of dialogue heavy approach, so it makes sense. Uh, it works in the found footage thing and it really uh, counts for a lot for me when you have a found footage film, which actually does take that into consideration uh, of making things real. And as well as all this stuff, that there is still like quite a lot of variety actually in the shots. Uh, there's some nice work with long single shot takes. Uh, it doesn't really have any Blair Witch stereotype genre moments, which is, is great. And there's a nice balance with the travel footage as well, too. Um, a few bits of nice scenery, some local color. Uh, it's got a nice sort of road movie feel to it without the usual kind of like massive amounts of like filler travelogue shots that these kind of films can have. So we get a sense of place and a sense of going on this journey with these guys uh, without it making it feel like we're watching a tourist video.
Production values are generally solid, or solid as they need to be. Uh, it's obviously a very low budget film, but it's got a good use of that low budget, and it doesn't overstretch things. Um, as, again, something I really like about found footage films when you get it right. Uh, it's like the old saying, you know, this. it's very much a film which uh, cuts its cloth to fit. <laughs> as I mentioned, uh, the, the acting is also very good, and th that's another tick in the found footage box. And... Uh, and I think, yeah, it's just nice when a film gets all these things uh, for the found footage genre right, which is pretty crucial, uh, to be fair. Uh, many, many found footage films uh, I've seen, I'm sure you've seen as well, have been sunk by, you know, not really understanding how to work with the budget they have and the restrictions or limitations they have. Um, having bad acting, having like really crappy production values or, you know, it's nice to see a film like Andy Baker tape, which uh, basically gets all the right things right. And I think it's pretty impressive for Brett Ladd as a first-time director, especially since he's acting in it as well, which uh, I know from a previous production I worked on, really, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, not that I, I didn't act in it myself, but having worked with a director who was also acting in a film, it's not an easy thing to do. And I think we've got to give him pretty high marks for... He's getting to a very good level uh, with this kind of film and managing to make something which I think does stand out from the, the found footage playing field, despite it being so low budget, and despite the essential, I guess, familiarity of the premise. He's been following me the last two weeks. Don't leave me, Jeff. I didn't beg you for anything. family. I definitely recommend the, the Andy Baker tape. Um, I think it's fair to say it's one of the best found footages, uh, especially of this kind of like really, really low budget level, which I've seen in the last few years. And as I've said, it's not necessarily horror in the usual sense. So you do have to go into it expecting that. Um, don't go in, you know, expecting paranormal activity or some mad like VHS craziness, but to be fair, as I've said, it's nothing new. You'll see the end coming, but it's very nicely done. Everything about it is solid and it's wisely kept to only 17 minutes. And it's the last time I'm going to mention Creep, I promise, but it's definitely one for fans of Creep. Uh, similar kind of deal. I mean, it, Creep is the classic. It's going to the, the highest benchmark. So it's not, it's not as good as Creep, but um, it's definitely one of the best Creep type ones I've seen for a while. There's definitely a lot of talent behind and in front of the camera. Um, and yeah, it's definitely worth keeping an eye out for whatever Brett Lada and Dustin Fontaine do next, whether it's found footage or not. Hopefully, hopefully horror or we'll see. A lot of people obviously just go for found footage first and then <laughs> move upwards. So we'll see. I'm in the UK myself and I saw it officially on YouTube, though you can check out the film's website and follow on the socials of uh, where to get an idea you can actually see it. And it's, yeah, absolutely, definitely worth checking out. Okay, so that's it for me. And thanks for listening. And yeah, if you follow us on socials, follow the podcast, check out our other episodes, that'd be, be much appreciated. And, and yeah, do stay tuned for the next episode, whether it's just me again, or if we've got Cub back. So yeah, take it easy, pour a drink and cheers.
Whiskey bikini. Whiskey bikini. Whiskey bikini. Whiskey bikini. Whiskey bikini. Whiskey bikini.